Good afternoon, folks. It's that time of the day again. It's 1 o'clock on Saturday. Time for the Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM. This is Sam DeMarco, your host for the Elephant in the Room. Here I'm joined in the studio here by some special guests, okay? Uh, as usual, we have my trusty sidekick, John Schneider, the very best executive director we have here, is the executive director of the Republican Committee of Allegheny County. Too and we have a new producer sitting in today, dazzling Daryl Grandy is otherwise occupied. So we are joined today by galloping gregarious Greg Maxwell. Greg, welcome to the show. I'll take it. I like it. Hey. I'm a fan. <laughs> and then also, I'm joined, we're also joined here in the studio today by a longtime friend of the show, and longtime Republican operative and strategist, Michael O'Connell. Michael, thanks for joining us. Um, it really is tremendous to be here. I can't add to the alliteration right on the spot, but uh, before we get to the end, I will step up to the plate. Well, listen, I've seen your writings. I'm certain you're going to get there, okay? But hey, hey folks, uh, listen, great show today. Uh, but want to talk about a number of things, try to update some folks on politics in Allegheny County, uh, update you on some of the things that may have, be of concern to folks out there and basically talk about what's at stake here in these local elections, you know? So uh, let me go first here, Michael, before we get started into the politics thing and give folks an update. Uh, you may have seen in the news recently, there's been a lot of talk about Schumann Center and the need to reopen Schumann Center. It was closed in mid-2021 when the state revoked Allegheny County's license to operate. That has been in process uh, everyone recognizes the need for a regional juvenile detention facility. The administration put out an RFP last year to gather information, and now they're in the process of looking at what's going to be required to open Schumann and get this thing operating. And the chief executive, uh, Rich Fitzgerald, has promised that he wants to get something in place, at least temporary, you know, before the end of the year. But it's not as simple as most folks would like. Okay. Folks say, well, why can't you just open a wing and just start? And it really, you have to go back to the fact that our license was revoked. Right. And that's okay. not a trivial issue. I mean, there's clearly overriding reasons to build in a juvenile design center. Does it have to be that campus well, off I think, of Washington Boulevard? I don't know, but there has to be some kind of answer. Not mm -hmm. just, I mean, as a moral issue, not just to make people feel safe. Right. It, it's an important thing because there has to be a release valve in the system that says, kids, you're on the wrong track. We got to get you off of it. It's in everybody's interest. The next stop, unfortunately, is the Allegheny County Jail, which has been in the headlines itself anyway. That doesn't work either. So let's take a stab at it. Well, but a couple, a couple of things people need to keep in mind, okay? The reopening of Schumann Center is a piece of a puzzle, but it's not in and of itself the answer to the current uh, surge in crime that we see and the challenges that we face with some of our juvenile population. Okay. There's a lot more to the story. Now, when you talked about, does it need to be there? Well, it makes sense to be there because that area is already zoned for a detention center. I mean, look at how you right now at Highland park, you have members of that community that are out there up in arms because they're complaining about the city of Pittsburgh's police firing range. Okay. And so they want it out of there, but no one else wants it in their district too, right? So can you imagine if we started going out and looking at land to build a new center here? It's already zoned for it. And I just recently toured uh, Schumann Center and, and the bones, the structure of that are in relatively good shape. <clears throat> so I think it's uh, it's going to need work, okay? And, and the administration is prepared to do that. 
And I expect you'll hear, the public will hear much more in the coming weeks as to what the plans are for that and how soon they can anticipate you know, that being open, okay? But as I said, there's a lot more that needs to be done here, okay? Uh, that in and of itself isn't the answer. When we start to look at you know, the crime situation we have, there's a lot of things that should be done that are not being done, Michael. And, and this falls on our elected officials. And unfortunately, uh, you know, I, I hate to call these folks out sometimes when, unless necessary, but the, uh, the mayor of Pittsburgh, Ed Ganey, is falling very short in his responsibilities, okay? After two decades of relative peace, violent crime has again become a major issue in the United States, and in particular here in Pittsburgh. In 2020, homicides in Pittsburgh rose by 54%. It's a record for a one-year increase. In 21 and 2022, homicides continue to climb, rising by 26% again in 2022. The homicide clearance rate in the city of Pittsburgh tumbled, with less than half the city's homicides in 2022 being solved. Last year, we had 90-plus shootings in the south side, but how many people being injured? And now this year, we've had this spillover to downtown Pittsburgh with a murder taking place on Liberty Avenue at midday just a few months ago, okay? We don't have to live this way, and... And that stuff really is genuinely shocking. I have walked the streets of downtown Pittsburgh since I was a teenager. Never, I mean literally never, have I felt physically not secure downtown. That's changing, and it's not my line. I'm stealing it out of the blatantly from somebody's presentation yesterday. If Allegheny County is our home, our living room is downtown Pittsburgh. And if people feel uncomfortable there, whether it's justified, and in this case it appears that it is, by statistics or not, something's broken down completely. This is the center of the region. This is the Golden Triangle. I mean, all of us who grew up here when we did remember the story of reviving downtown Pittsburgh. Right. If that's falling to pieces, no one's going to feel comfortable in suburbs. Well, the, the, one of the, the exacerbating issues here is this is coming on the heels of the pandemic. Okay? We had the pandemic. Everyone was forced to work from home okay, and abandon downtown Pittsburgh, right? So the major employers, the PNCs, the Highmarks, the UPMCs, you know, they sent their employees home. And now, you know, folks don't want to come back and crime is an issue. I'm being reached out to by many smaller employers who are telling me, look, Sam, we're going to move our businesses out of downtown because our clients or customers don't want to come downtown, Right. Now, for many of our listeners, the people out here in Allegheny County, people in Pittsburgh, you hear about these crimes on the news. Occasionally, you'll hear uh, the mayor held a news conference. He came out and made a statement. He said, never again. This shouldn't happen. He's absolutely right. It shouldn't happen. We shouldn't. It shouldn't happen never again. But the problem is, outside of those statements, we're not seeing actions that are being taken that can actually have a demonstrable effect you know, on crime. And so that's why I want to take today and inject into the public discourse some specific actions that can be taken if we have the political will to take them, okay, that will have a demonstrable effect on the safety and the lives of the people of this region. So first, okay, here are four practical solutions that will make our city safer. None of these are theoretical. They're street-tested. They're backed by rigorous studies, they're constitutional, and they're cost-effective. Well, each one will reduce crime on its own. Taken together, they can transform a city, not in decades, 
but within a year or two. I mean, we can turn this thing around here in Pittsburgh, but here's what we need to do. First, target the power few. Violent crime is highly concentrated. We know where violent crimes are likely to be committed. Drug houses, gang hangouts, problem bars, nuisance bars, crime hotspots. We know when violent crimes are likely to be committed. So at night, on weekends, and during the hot summer months. More importantly, we know who commits these violent crimes. And for the purposes today, let's call them the power few, okay? In any given city, just 5% of criminals are responsible for 50% of violent crimes. I want to make this abundantly clear. It's not 5% of the total population of the city that's driving the majority of violent crime. It's 5% of the criminals, a subset of a subset. Targeting this small cohort of high-frequency offenders can substantially reduce violent crime rates throughout the entire city. Mike, I got to believe that every police zone commander here in the city of Pittsburgh knows who the top 20 most violent offenders are in their zone. Going after these offenders to take them off the street will have a demonstrable effect on crime here in Allegheny County. We should be working with the district attorney's office, the U.S. attorney's office, the FBI, putting a task force together to go after these folks and get them off the streets, okay? Second, go after the drug dealers and the gun-toting felons. You don't have to dig very deeply into crime statistics to discover that drug dealers and felons that are in position of firearms are linked to many violent crimes, especially homicides. These are people who are not only likely to kill, but to be killed. So if law enforcement focuses on drug dealers and gun-toting felons, they'll reduce the number of both potential killers and potential victims on the street. But targeting drug dealers has an added benefit, one that's lost on the public, but well-known to law enforcement. Drug dealers, often part of drug gangs, have the best information about homicides and all sorts of other crimes. Any investigator who interrogates a drug-dealing gang member will likely soon discover that the defendant has witnessed or participated in multiple shootings, both fatal and non-fatal. In addition, that same defendant will know about a score of other crimes, everything from robberies to carjackings to organized retail theft rings. And if he's facing a long sentence, there's oh, it's a good chance... It's it's the guy right. you dream about. Right, there's a good Sell chance they'll give up friends. that information. Sell out your friends, they balls too. Right, and so again, that takes me back to why don't we put a task force together with the DA's office, U.S. Attorney's office, the FBI, take these felons off the street, okay? Third, we need to unite the cops and the prosecutors, okay? When police and prosecutors collaborate from the inception of an investigation, good things happen. This is a concept known as vertical prosecution. Working as a team, police and prosecutors discuss targets, timing of arrests, and legal issues like whether a search warrant is required. Once the investigation is completed, the police remain involved at the trial stage, helping to determine the order of witnesses, trial themes, and even jury selection. This style of collaboration is resource and time intensive, but it pays big dividends. There's no blaming each other for a poor investigation or bad trial strategy because everyone participated in all aspects of the case. When the prosecutors and police work together, particularly in major cases like homicides, the cases are better investigated, legal errors are minimized, the system works as intended, in short, justice gets done. I've spoken to District Attorney Zapala. He said his office already does some of this. Okay, I'm looking forward to meeting with him to understand more and to learn more about how and what they do to see, you know, again, how can we work together to improve the, the public safety 
here in the in Allegheny County. Now, on the other hand, and this seems to be happening more and more in America today, when the prosecutors and police are actively hostile towards one another, the only people who are the criminals. And you see that in places like Philadelphia with Larry Krasner. You see it in Los Angeles with George Gascon. You know, it was Chicago with Kimberly Fox and, and across this nation. And my concern is that, you know, we I've always joked that Pittsburgh is two years behind, you know, and that was always when we we're talking about culture or fashion. Right. 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 We get bell bottom jeans, okay? Right. Two years it's after the they were in thing, New York. Right? Exactly, right? Well, what what I fear is I listen to some of these progressive candidates who are running for office, and it's like they want to try the same progressive policies that have failed everywhere else they've been tried in this country, okay? And that's one of the things that scares me. Fourth, keep the bad actors in jail, all right? In two separate studies, in 2020 and 2022, the United States Sentencing Commission, an independent federal agency, took up this question. Their analysis involved thousands of federal inmates over multiple decades. The, their conclusion was clear. Once prison sentences get to five years in length, the longer the prison sentence, the less likely the criminal will commit another crime. Now, your average citizen can tell you why incarceration matters. One, people don't want to go back to prison, so criminals try not to commit more crimes. And two, the age crime curve tells us that most violent criminals commit the majority of their crimes from their late teens into their 20s. Prison sentences of over five years simply take these violent criminals out of circulation when they are at their most dangerous. So let's review these four issues, okay? Target the power few, go after the drug dealers and gun-toting felons, unite cops and prosecutors, and keep the bad actors in jail. That's what separates safe cities from dangerous cities. It's not rocket science. It's just good law enforcement, okay? So, Mike, you know, going back to my point earlier, we don't lack answers to the increasing crime in our communities, the policing, the, or, or, excuse me, we don't lack answers to the increasing crime in our communities. What we lack is the, the, the political will to implement policies like these and back our law enforcement community in, in enforcing them. You know, going back to Schumann, the reopening of Schumann Center as a juvenile detention facility isn't the answer to our problems, but it right. is one the reality of, the of all of this is there simply is no panacea as a practical matter. There's no one step. There's no, are there 10 steps? Probably. Yep. You outlined four of them. Schumann might be number five. There's probably five more because <laughs> some of it is fundamentally psychological. I've been in and out of Washington all my life. Mm -hmm. When I first started going there regularly in the 80s, it was the murder capital of America. It was disturbing, and if you had a brain in your head, if you found yourself on a dark street late at night, you might opt to walk down the double yellow line until you got to your destination. Eventually, they tightened some screws. Some of what you just described, some of it their own responses, some of it stepped-up area mm -hmm. patrols in tourist areas. There was no big press conference after which Washington was safe. But in a city that by then I'd known for the better part of 20 years, there was one night, middle of the summer, I drove down there, parked, walked to my destination, better part of a mile, 10.30 or 11 o'clock, wrapped up my meetings, walked back to my car. When I got to the car, it occurred to me, 10 years ago, no one in their right mind would have walked all the way back to Union Station to do this. 
and you do because the public perception helps safen a city mm-hmm. as part of what New York did. That Manhattan was never as dangerous as people like to pretend, but once people felt comfortable there, it doesn't take much. Some of it is, in fact, cosmetic. It became a, a draw. A crowded street is less likely to be a crime scene, just by definition, um, which takes some creative governing. I mean, but there's no magic answer. Well, no, but, you know, the reason I bring this up, and I, I you know, I had some health issues here recently. I'm looking to hold a press conference, okay, is because I need to reach members of our community who are concerned about this rising crime, you know, and they're tired of not seeing anything substantive being done about it. I speak to residents, business owners, their employees, wondering why nothing's being done. You know, so I've just tried to lay out at least four solid policies. No, you're absolutely right. There's more that needs to be done. You know, um, from the district attorney's office perspective, right? We we need to take away, stop, do not give deals. Do not waive or plead down gun charges, okay? If there's kids out there doing this, because many of these have minimums, what's the use of having a minimum sentence if we're going to take and just If you deal it away, away it's not a minimum away. sentence at all. It's just a okay. bargaining chip. We need to talk, we need to work with our judges. Okay, uh, Kimberly Clark, who's the uh, or Judge Kimberly Clark, who is the president and judge here in Allegheny County, she came before us on Allegheny County Council uh, last year uh, for the budget, and she was talking, and I asked her specifically, and we were talking about the need for like human center things, and she said that many of these violent juvenile youths, she said they're not even bothering to cut off their electronic monitoring, whether it be you know r- r- bracelets, whatever you want to call them, okay. Or, or, or leg straps, they don't even bother to cut them off because they know that there's nowhere to send them. As soon as they're rearrested, they get kicked right back out of the street. They get sent home with mom and dad, okay? And that's not acceptable. Right. Somehow that has to be addressed. Right. So there's, there's a lot. There, there, there's a lot that goes into this. Like anything else, uh, when you have these societal problems, you know, many of them are complex. There are not easy answers to them. <clears throat> but I can tell you one thing that's not an answer, and that's to avoid it. That's to put your head in the sand and pretend like it's not a problem or it'll go away. You know, to see, it, it's like, it, here's, it amazes me, and we just saw this past week in Harrisburg, you know, Democrats are running around waving their arms in the air because they took and they passed four gun control bills out of a committee, okay? They're not going anywhere, right? But, you know, they're guns, guns, guns. But yet these are the same people that want to shut down the jails, and want to let the people that are committing crimes with these guns go, okay? I, you know, it's it's maddening that, that folks seem to lack, you know, common sense. Okay, I, I just, you know, it just it just drives me crazy. So right. the political process has plainly bred a disconnect that may cut both ways, but there's a disconnect that says, how do we address this seriously? Or are we doing the equivalent of someone who sits there and says, oh, yeah, there are a bunch of bills in the mail. Maybe if I don't open them, they won't be real. It doesn't end well. And on some sweeping scale, we're doing the same thing. The crime thing is incredibly complex. Some of the causes go back to that story about the Garden of Eden. What aggravates them from time to time is a fascinating sociological question. It doesn't make go away the reality that in every city in the country there's been a spike in the last few years in violent crimes, mm-hmm. and it is not what we all got used to. It is not pick a place, Chicago. If all 
the crimes were taking place in neighborhoods that no one else would ever go to. Yep. No one cared. That's not true. I mean, again, I've walked all these years through downtown Pittsburgh. There's shootings that there in broad daylight. That didn't start overnight. Nope. And the but, solution, but until people are willing to say, yeah, we have to bite the bullet and figure out sensibly how we address this, you're not going to see it. And that becomes, in part, a political question. Right. And, 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 they, and, and again, this goes back to the people, okay? The people need to demand action. And one of the ways to show that is by taking in through your voice at the ballot box, okay? Uh, the city of Pittsburgh has not had a Republican mayor since 1933, okay? You know, 90 years, right? So the problems that the city faces cannot be laid, you know, at the feet of Republicans and Republican parties. Now, this isn't a Democrat-Republican thing, but I believe you have to have competing ideas Okay, to give the people a choice. Right, clearly you need a marketplace. The entire democratic process revolves around the idea that a variety of voices will be there. Informed citizens, we hope, will make the best choice. If not, there's at least some moral leverage that comes with them having made a questionable choice. And that's simply how it has to be. But there's no other way to marshal public opinion than at the ballot box. Right. That there has to be a feedback. And it's partly anecdotal. It's partly bump into your borough councilman and say, look, there's a guy stealing cars in the neighborhood. you got to tighten the screws somehow. Bump up the police <laughs> presence. Well, and, and that's the thing. I mean, um, there's also studies that have been done that show that a 10%, 10% increase in police staffing okay, will lead to a 13% decrease in violent crime, 7, 7% decrease in property crime, right? But yet you have the city of Pittsburgh's police force right now that is almost 100 officers short. Right. It's meaningfully understaffed, clearly. You know, so, again, so many of these things are part of a puzzle that play a role in what we're seeing. And as we start to enter, we're looking at just around the – summer's just around the corner, okay? In the south side, last year, as I mentioned earlier, we had over 90 shootings. I know at least 21 people were taken to the hospital in critical condition. Okay, um, what you have there, you have so many people going down and frequenting the bars, young adults and things like that. But then you had folks who aren't old enough to get into the bars were also going down there, okay, and just partying in the streets. And you would see from the camera footage, I mean, there's just cars getting out of their cars, smoking joints, carrying on, this, things like this. I've seen videos of shootings that have taken place, you know, within the site of the police that are down there and things like that. <clears throat> you know, we need to prepare and, and we need to make some changes. And that's what we're going to lead to when we start to talk in our second segment. You know, voters in Allegheny County are going to have a choice when they go to the polls here. Yes, they will. And, and they need to start thinking about things and not looking at this like in terms of, you know, my team or their team. We need to go back to the days when we evaluated candidates based upon their character, based upon their ideas and their proposed policies, and not whether somebody has an R or a D or an I in the corner of their name there in the box when they're being presented on television or in the newspaper. And fundamentally, well, these are not simple issues. Neither are they partisan issues. Right. And the entire system requires people to say, look, 
the only way I can feel safe again in my community is to take these steps. And that may well be voting for a party they don't usually vote for or voting for a type of candidate for whom they don't usually vote. But if people don't feel secure in their homes, and it's not uniquely a Pittsburgh problem, 129 municipalities have their own version of this story. I came within a minute of being an eyewitness to a police officer being shot Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the year. That's unsettling. And if people are nervous on that front, there's nothing anyone else can do to fix it. Right. The best stock market report in the world doesn't solve that problem. No, absolutely not. Well, listen, Mike, I want to keep you around here for the second segment. We're going to be coming back, but we need to take a break, pay some bills. Folks, this is Sam DeMarco for The Elephant in the Room. You're listening to The Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM and 99.1 FM. We'll be back in a minute. The midterm elections are in the rearview mirror, and now it's time to start finding great school board candidates for 2023. Convince the right candidates to run using the Get Elected app for easy-to-understand voter data and analysis, canvassing tools, and more. Visit getelected.org and show them the path to victory. Get elected. Campaign with confidence. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to The Elephant in the Room here on 1320 AM, 99.1 FM. This is your host, Sam DeMarco. We're joined here in our first segment. We've held him over to the second segment. We have Michael O'Connell, longtime Republican operative and strategist. In our first segment, we were talking a lot about something that's a pressing issue here in Allegheny County and the city of Pittsburgh, and that's crime. And that's which, which, and it's been a fascinating segment, but it's, it, again, the fundamental point is that if people do not feel physically safe, nothing else much matters. It's not tax rates. It's not how the 401k is doing. If you're nervous walking down the street, nothing fixes that. And that, that fundamentally, that's a breakdown of public order, of, of civil government. We've had in the last 20 years, you know, there's been a, a renaissance here in downtown, and we've had you know, businesses moving in, you know, restaurants and things like that. We've had a great deal of housing that's been built and rehabilitated. And uh, you know, when folks are living down there, I have friends that live downtown. And, and now these people are concerned for their safety, okay? They're concerned about their property Oh, pure and purely anecdotally, you talk to people, where do we do something? The answer is very likely, let's not do it downtown. No one wants to go there. Mm-hmm. Well, and this, That's and this, not about parking rates. Nope. That's about a general discomfort in a place that's increasingly familiar to them. And this affects everybody, whether you think so or not. You may, you may not even go downtown. You may live out in the suburbs, but let me tell you how this affects you, okay? And the fact that businesses are unable to bring their employees back into the office because folks don't want to come in there, the fact that businesses aren't moving down there has led to record occup- record low occupancy rates of office space in downtown Pittsburgh. <clears throat> On county council, I know that we are going to be flooded with a number of property assessment appeals from these business building owners looking to reduce the value and the taxes that they pay on their properties because they're going to say, hey, you know, it's only occupied at 30% instead of 80%. It's not worth what the value was. And under the law, they will be right because I'm downtown more days than not and pick something. On a Friday morning, you can fire a cannon on some of these streets without doing any harm unless you happen to hit the bottom of the building. Well, it's, I, just, it's just not there. There's no bodies there. Absolutely, but when they come in, and those property assessments are reduced, that revenue is going to need to be made up somewhere, okay? And that could end up leading to increased millage rates for folks across, you know, the county here. So even if you don't come downtown or you're not particularly part of this, the deterioration of the downtown community can affect you regardless of where you live 
in this county. And that's why well, sure, one the of the reasons why it's important. Is not what it was, mm-hmm. but we saw it 40 years ago as these mills shut down. There were communities up and down the Monongahela Valley, and not only there, yep. that were substantially dependent on the property tax bill the mill could be counted on to pay. When right. someone said, this is basically a vacant lot, let's appeal it, now a couple corporations, to their credit, kind of did a step-down plan. But it was devastating. Downtown Pittsburgh doesn't exist on the same scale, but strip real estate revenue from the Golden Triangle away from the city of Pittsburgh, it's going to have an impact. No, no, absolutely. So, you know, we were talking about this, trying to lead into the second segment here. The choice that voters are going to have when they go to the polls on May 16th, and, and many folks are already voting right now. Oh, yeah. Voting by mail. But when they go to the polls on May 16th, they're going to pull the lever and they're going to make selections for who they believe is best qualified to lead, you know, Allegheny County, you know, in, in, in the future here. Okay. Um, and unfortunately, as I, you know, reported in the first segment, we haven't had a Republican mayor here in 90 years. Okay. Uh, I'm concerned that folks have moved away from voting for the person based upon their character, based upon their ideas, based upon their proposed policies and things like that. And it's just enough to have a D or an R or an I by your name. And they go from that because, you know, that is not going to lead us to where we need to go, which is a safe city. I mean, we have an embarrassment as a uh, congressperson in the city of Pittsburgh in PA 12. Okay. Summer Lee. I, I, I can't help it. I, you know, it's not good for my health. But every time I open my Twitter feed, okay, there's a post from her, right? And it's always something she's complaining, blaming. Republicans are racist, this and that, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is someone that wants to shut down the jails. She's a jail abolitionist. She wants to take and defund the police, okay? I mean, it's just nuts. And I've not seen her do a single positive thing for the city of Pittsburgh, okay, or for its residents, but she's done a lot of stuff, good things for herself. You know, got herself elected, went to Harrisburg, did absolutely nothing. Not a single policy with her bill was passed with her name on it. Okay. And now she's the same in Congress. She goes down there to become part of the squad. And I bring that up because people in the city of Pittsburgh, they voted for her. They voted for that. They did. Okay. It's hard for someone like myself who's lived here their entire life, with the exception of the time I spent in the Marine Corps, to just sit here and watch this region in decline. And do nothing. You know, no. it's just fresh. I mean, I love the, you know, story here. When I was in the Marine Corps, you know, this is back in the late 70s. So it was a Steelers heyday. Okay. It's in, you know, in the Marine Corps, we had a barracks. You know, we didn't have TVs in our rooms per se. There was a TV room downstairs. So the Monday night football, the whole bit. But I mean, I cared about Pittsburgh so much. The guys used to tease me. The Steelers lost. You know, they'd like put something on my door, you know, ha And then they'd run. Because they didn't want to deal with me, right? Um, okay, so you, you love this area. You love this region. and uh, But people are taking and making decisions and are casting their votes for people that are leading to its decline. And we have a county executive race. We do have a county executive race. Mm-hmm. And I think there's legitimate reason for hope about that. And I, and I, in part because I do have faith in the voters of Allegheny County. Because we do see this. Wherever people are inclined to cast their vote for a national office, for a candidate, for governor, 
local races get pretty close to home. They affect how you go about your day. We saw this years ago. There was a year, somehow Los Angeles and New York elected Republican mayors. Was that because there was a Republican resurgence in those cities? No. Things were trending in the opposite direction. But when it came to make fundamental decisions about what shapes my life, they were willing to take a chance on a party for which they did not usually vote. And I think we could very well see the same thing here. Well, I, and, and I hope we do. I mean, when you look at what's taking place here, the choices that are being offered to the voters, you know, you have, uh, you know, John Weinstein, you know, treasurer for 24, 20 years, years yeah. right? 20 plus years, uh, who's running to be the county executive. And, you know, his name has been, you know, front and center in the media here, you know, for a lot of the reasons why you wouldn't want to be. Right. Front and center in front of the media here right. for a lot of things from, you know, they talked about, uh, you know, board position at Alcasan, you know, uh, contracts awarded, uh, you know, uh, campaign donations received, uh, FBI taking and interviewing board members and things like that. But there have been no charges or anything no like charges that. No charges, and, and that, that <clears throat> should be stated, but I, I will tell you it's never a great sign. No. Even no. if they're talking about a third party, if the FBI no. comes to around to interview no. you, it's not good. I've been interviewed by the FBI because, As have I. like yeah. anybody who's been around politics for all these years, I've known one or two people have gotten in trouble. Yep. Being interviewed by them, I've never had a root canal, but if I had to choose one to do again, I'd yep. go for the root canal. Yep. Um, and it's not a good sign. It, it's, it's an indication. And, and John Weinstein is really from Central Casting. Yeah. If you imagine a big county hall who's gotten lazy relying on a one-party electorate, more than a little bit sloppy around the edges, mm -hmm. ring up Central Casting and they'll send you John, purple jacket and all. <laughs> yeah, there you go, right? You have, uh, we have uh, Mike Lamb running. Mike Lamb is the city controller, okay? Uh, he's running. And uh, Mike grew up in Beachview, where I spent part of my childhood too, you know? Nice guy. Um, could be potentially viewed as a moderate, okay? But really, it's more of the same. You know, career politician, okay? Um, what has he done, you know, outside of this arena? You have Sarah Inamorato, right. okay? Young lady who rode tragedy in her family life, okay, to a position as a state representative, you know, in Harrisburg, uh, you know, I've met. Where and she's done remarkably little. Well, absolutely. Well, she she tied herself to Summer Lee. Yes, they call themselves sister reps. Right. Okay. So Sarah has tied herself to Summer Lee and Ed Ganey. Folks, if you want more of what you're getting in the city, I mean, that's there's your choice. We've got a right? shortcut here. <laughs> but but I just saw there was an article in the paper here two days ago <clears throat> from the Working Families Party. Is going to take and dump two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Oh yes, what? into television, your television buy for her. I don't right? know when the buy starts, but by yeah. Monday, turn your yes. television set on. You're going to hear all about you know, Sarah Nomarato. Yeah, SEIU the whole bit. And and these folks, they typically talk in platitudes. Hey, let's build an Allegheny County for all. Well, that sounds good, except by all they mean you know. Well, I don't want to go into that. Then you have a Dave Fawcett. Dave Fawcett is former Republican. Yep, and Dave was actually the first holder of the seat that I currently hold. Yes, he was. Which was the at-large in Allegheny well. County Council. Okay. Uh, and Dave, uh, David Switch, he said, now he's now a Democrat. 
but he's running for the role of Allegheny County Executive as well. And he, you know, he brought out something. He was just in the paper earlier. We were talking about Weinstein the whole bit. He was just in the paper earlier this week. We saw Chris Potter. They had an article in there where they talked about uh, something that happened back in the early 2000s in Kennedy Township, right? Yes. Uh, Jim Roddy, who was the chief county executive at the time on the Board of Elections, there was Jim Roddy, Dave Fawcett, and John DeFazio. But <laughs> there was suspicious activity with absentee ballots in Kennedy Township. It was reported to them. Uh, they had the FBI's handwriting expert, Michelle Dresbold, look into this. And she identified and believed that the handwriting matched John Weinstein's and his father, Mel Weinstein's. Okay, well, that didn't have a huge effect in a countywide race. It had effect in township races there. <clears throat> so then when they reached out to the district attorney's office to investigate, lo and behold, when they went over to the elections office, those ballots had disappeared. Okay, and the text, context of the story is that, oh, somebody must have inadvertently thrown them away. Right. And it was not okay. the finest hour of what is generally a very professional Yes. Elections department. Yes. And the, and but the central point remains. There is about John Weinstein. If you remember the old pig pen character from Peanuts, the little kid wandering around with with dirt on his shoes and flies flying around his head. You don't know that he's been playing in the mud, but you can kind of play those off, <laughs> can't you? <laughs> yeah, you couldn't have said it better. But hey, I, I, I will say personally. John's a nice guy. He's always been very nice to me. Um, he and I, we have mutual interests. We both care deeply about animals. You know, John's on the board of Animal Friends. Uh, has done a lot for that for those folks there. Uh, he and I work together on that. But uh, yeah, it's unfortunate that all of this seems to be around there. And like we said, you know, there are no charges or anything like that. Oh, I'm not suggesting but, there but, to be any right. personal corruption. Right. But all of our mothers warned us as children to be careful who you hung around with. <laughs> right. John did not get that memo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, so uh, folks, voters, you do have a choice when you vote for your Allegheny County executive this year. And, you know, I would say that that choice, and I know for me it's not a hard one, is Joe Rocky. Oh, easiest choice in quite some time. Joe is probably the most, with all due respect to Jim Roddy, Dan Onorado and Rich Fitzgerald, and I believe Rich Fitzgerald's done a great job. You're running the kind. I disagree with him on things from an ideological perspective, but management of how he's handled running the county, I give him high marks on. And you know, folks, there are things that folks can point to or disagree with, and things like that. But many times, people also don't know the full story and what you were facing, or the circumstances, or the obstacles that had to be overcome. You know when you make a decision to do something like this, but but I, I say that uh, I think Joe Rocky is the most qualified person to ever run for that office because, as you know better than almost anyone, the role of a county executive is in significant measure that of a manager. This is not someone just setting broad priorities for no. the county and then going out for a long lunch. Right. It's a management problem. Well, guess who's done that. Exactly. Here's Joe Rocky starts at PNC, works his way up um, the corporate ladder, ends up, and from everybody I've ever talked to, gotten rave reviews doing it, Absolutely. heading up some brutally difficult assignments on a rapidly expanding bank that's now, I think, 
the largest private employer in the region. Absolutely. I mean, you you have, um, well, top financial services, one of the top financial services country in the country. Yes. Okay. And uh, I mean, this is a guy that has managed thousands of people. This is a guy that has managed billion dollar budgets. Okay. So here's somebody that has actually done what's going to be required. Okay. And done it successfully. Right. And he's also somebody that, you know, when we talk about the things, uh, we recruited Joe, okay? Um, but Joe is different in that he is not an ideologue. He is not a far-right uh, politician. He, you know, he, he's a guy that he tells folks that his politics, if you want to know where he stands, he sits right down the middle, Okay. Uh, heavily involved in charity, sits on the oh, board there's of Duquesne an, University. Genuinely extraordinary record with organizations running from Duquesne University, where he worked his way through school mm-hmm. as a kid from the north side. Yep. I think he probably took the bus there from the house he grew up in. Mm-hmm. On a nice day, he might have walked, and been heavily involved there. Paid that debt to Duquesne back tenfold. Has worked tirelessly with the Little Sisters of the Poor down the street again from yep. the house where he grew up who do just extraordinary work. It's unheralded, but care for the indigent poor or the indigent elderly. And uh, Yeah, he's at Ronald McDonald House. He was on the board of Oakland Catholic. I mean, this is a guy that, while he's been wildly successful in business and in life, has never forgotten where he's come from, okay, and has taken and actually walked the walk when it comes to serving the people. You'll hear a lot of folks out there. We hear them, and I mentioned some of the names of these people earlier. They talk about, oh, I, you know, I'm serving the people, okay? No, they're serving themselves, right? You know, I talked about Summer Lee, right? They, they, being a, a state rep, or, it's the best job she's ever going to get, okay? Yes. So, you know, she's there until the people get fed up when they see through the act, you know, and decide to vote for someone that's going to actually represent them. I mean, the, the, the difference between her and Mike Doyle, and I disagree with Mike Doyle's politics, but there's no doubt that Mike Doyle was an influential member of Congress and was able to bring significant funding and projects back to this region that resulted in infrastructure improvements and jobs and things like that. I don't see. Right. There was clearly a defined and appropriate purpose. We don't right. need 435 members of Congress who want to be Mike Doyle. We need a few. They help make the process work. How do we make the appropriations process work? Are there high-tech things we can do? Mm-hmm. That's all important. That's what the job of Congress is to be there for. If you are there to see how, and this is not a right-left issue, if right. you are only there to see how many times you can be on TV, you're doing it wrong. Right. At and, a minimum, and, fire your staff people, get somebody, have no press secretary, have somebody who learns how to read a piece of right. legislation. And then we also have, I mean, listen, we other races that are out there. We County council, you know, people need to understand. People want, in most cases, I've been told, checks and balances, okay? Then you need to vote for more Republicans for county council. Right now, there are only two Republicans on a, a body of 15 on county council. You have extremists like Bethany Hallam, who seems to only care about the jail, okay? Who isn't shy about actually lying to her fellow colleagues on council when she's taking and pushing legislation. You know, uh, she took and defanged, even though I did not support the Independent Police Review Board, okay, they were pushing this. Uh, she took and voted down 
an amendment that would have prevented convicted felons from serving on this board. Okay, that would have we would that is just something that's standard. It's the same in the city. Okay, because you you do, what you're looking for is you're looking for independent review. You're not looking for folks with an axe to grind. Right, and that's which is a fundamental distinction. There's a danger for county council, particularly as it becomes more and more a one-party county council. Exactly, is that it turns into a sandbox. And that's what's happening. And that's what's happening now. Look, they took and they voted county council. One of the few. Well, let me take a step back. Uh, there was a, a seminar at Alom. I was unable to attend. But what got back to me from folks was that people were complaining. Well, they didn't realize how little power Allegheny County Council had. Okay. Shame on them. The first thing I did when I decided I want to run for county council was actually read the county charter, the administrative right. code, to understand what the duties and the roles of county council and were. And it's not a closely guarded secret. I was no. around in the 90s when we revised the county charter. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, some of it was by design. Some of it is, frankly, a self-inflicted wound. Right. The county council has chosen to become a forum for symbolic politics from mostly from the left, given the current politics of Allegheny County, and for commemorative resolutions about things of no significance at all, except for the person who gets a certificate. Right. What's that do? It makes the county executive the most important game in town, but it's not irreversible. You can put sensible people, who are not all going to be Republicans or Democrats, on county council and shift things around a little bit, which is what it really was designed to do. There was a political imperative that said, don't make it full-time, don't set up, 15 power bases around Allegheny County, which was defensible and remains so. But that doesn't mean it has to be meaningless. Well, the, the other part of this, and I was talking about, uh, you know, my colleague, you know, she, she's running right now on an agenda, you know, talking about accomplishments. Uh, they banned gender conversion therapy. Do you know when that came up for debate, they were not able to present a single case of gender conversion therapy occurring in Allegheny County. They were not able to present a single provider that was doing that, but they passed this, and this is their big accomplishment. Right, symbolic okay. legislation. For all that it mattered, they might as well have banned unicorns. They pa- exactly, and this, this, is what, um, this is what's driving me crazy. You know, I, I'm somebody that believes in providing solutions. In my business career, you know, I was in sales, but I provided business solutions to companies. Every day I went home, I felt good about myself because I felt that I had solved the business problem for somebody and made their lives better, their businesses run more efficiently, helped streamline their workflow, okay? So it pains me to see these people taking and doing these things that have no real effect or counter to what we do. One of the few duties of Allegheny County Council is that you have responsibility for oversight, okay? Uh, uh, They vote to ban fracking in the parks. No one was looking to frack in a park. Nobody can frack in a park without county council taking and voting to make it happen or allow it to happen. Nobody would vote for that, right? But no, they have to take it. They pass that, and then they run around, you know, with their hands up in the air like they did something great, right? Now, in Deer Lakes Park, fracking takes place underneath from off the park property, okay? But the money that the county got from that has led to the improvements in all of our parks, you know, one of the things that people care about in our communities out there in Allegheny County, they do care about their parks. Oh, the parks are one of the genuine treasures of Allegheny County. Right. And, and, but the improvements, and they've been significant improvements in the last 12 years under Fitzgerald, okay? These significant improvements have taken place because of money that was gained through that fracking, okay? 
where's that money going to come from? If you, they have no idea. They don't care. I think we're seeing the same thing at the airport. She wants to, and that's my next step. She wants to ban fracking at the airport. Okay, right now they're building a one and a half billion dollar new modernized new modernized terminal. Okay, without a single dime of taxpayer county taxpayer money. Okay, they're doing it through landing fees. They're doing it through parking concessions. They're doing it through gambling revenue, but they're also doing it through doing the it money we get royalties. from the fracking at the right, right. And so they want to ban it. So, so she wants everyone to pay for this. Right now, she's trying to take and she wants to increase the minimum wage for Allegheny County workers to twenty dollars an hour. Okay, and she wants county council to do this, even though the charter specifically gives the right to negotiate contracts and things like that to the county executive. Her next step, she's already you know talked about this, she wants to take and pay inmates at the jail that work, you know, that do some work there. What's going to happen, and she, she doesn't understand or care that there are reactions to every one of these actions that she takes. Right, and no one wins from politics turning into no. a purely symbolic no. exercise. Right. So Who can say the silliest thing? Right, so folks, is in a folks when you, you need to go out and vote. When you go vote, please vote for Joe Rocky for county executive. Vote for Suzanne Filiaggi in District 2 for county council. Mike Embrecia in District 5 for county council because there's a Bethany Hallam acolyte, Dan Grisbeck, who, you know, is all for men in women's bathrooms out there. You know, he's on the Bethel Park School Board. This is embarrassing. And then please vote for Sean McGrath in District 6, Todd McCollum in District 11, and Eileen Cunningham in District she's 13. In District 11. Oh, she's in District 11. Oh, in 13. I got him, I got him confused. Okay. So, yeah, Todd McCollum in 13, Eileen Cunningham in District 11. And, folks, I've just been talking too damn much. And, I, uh, what what this, Sam just outlined is exactly what the system is supposed to provide for you. There's a good chance you can have a real meaningful choice in November. Well, hey, folks, listen, thanks for joining us here this Saturday on The Elephant in the Room. Hopefully we'll be back next week. And to talk to you, but until next week, this is Sam DeMarco signing off. Mike, thanks for joining us. Uh, signing off for the elephant in the room here on WJAS 1320 AM.